Welcome to episode number 16 of Sheev's Throne Room Podcast. Uh, this week, we get our first guest. We got Alden Diaz uh, from Octo Radio on today. Uh, hey, Alden, why don't you do introduce yourself there? Hey, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? Uh, hello to all the listeners. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, Octo Radio, some people might know, is my Star Wars-centric, uh, Lucasfilm-centric interview show where I have people from... Uh, the actual, you know, Lucasfilm family, yeah. authors, writers, uh, creators in the space, other sh- other show hosts and things like that. And uh, it's expanded out to include a couple other shows now, including The Mandatorian Creed, hosted yeah. by Tori Fox. Uh, we're doing a rewatch between worlds, me and Nikki Kumar, going through all of Star Wars Rebels right now. So that's my podcast, baby. Um, that entire Octa Radio endeavor. I work in radio professionally full time. Uh, so my entire life is sitting in this chair into this <laughs> microphone because uh, since COVID, we've been working from home. So like I really I spend 95 percent of my human living time in this exact seat where I'm talking to you now. <laughs> yeah, like man, like I uh, I started this up because of COVID. I'm like, I need something to do like <laughs> yeah. I need a hobby. So it, it makes sense. And you've been killing it with all the expansions and people you've been getting on. So like, congrats, man. It's it's been Thank cool you. to watch. Appreciate that. Thanks for the support. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on to talk about that, to talk about all this stuff. And, you know, what you said about starting your show because of COVID, it is it is a sad but true but also, like, real and sort of inspiring reality that it exposed, I think, sort of how lonely we all really are, like how much we need community in a lot of ways. Like, once you took it away from us, even small things like going to the mall or you know, going to the movie theater, not ever saying that those things are the most important things. But it's, um, but it's integral. Health. But yeah, but you start to realize, you're like, oh, I'm a dependent. Like, we're such social creatures, even when we're frustrated by it, that we've all started to, you know, need community more. Because I had Octo Radio before COVID. Yeah. But it started to thrive when people were home. Yeah, and I, I think it really kicked off for you right after that uh, that Luke rant, did it not? If, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think that was a big part of it. I mean, it was uh, like we had I had gone uh, a while with doing occasional interviews, but also some solo episodes and the show is sort of finding what it was going to be. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, the, throughout 2020, we had sort of the guest build up, but that that was probably a turning point where, you know, that went from being again, you try to word these things without sounding like you're kissing your own ass uh it was it was like it was uh a turning point from this is you know a star wars side project and i wonder how it's gonna go to oh i can i i can actually make a bit of a wave you know in yes. this in this community and in this space and like people are starting to pay a little bit more attention to what you're saying so that whole string of mandalorian you know season two <laughs> eight episodes eight different guests we you know talked about every episode and i had regular episodes coming out and i had october going on which i didn't do this year just because of moving but so last year yeah that time was was uh was booming and then yeah and going viral off of that was was definitely something all right so a little bit back how did you how did you even get into like star wars and stuff like what's the how what got you into it i think a big part of it was that i've always wanted to be uh, involved in so on the real world side of it i've always wanted to be involved in entertainment i always thought that as a kid you know i want to make movies write movies tell stories write comics whatever it was 
But then also the stuff that I was most interested in as a kid was heightened uh, sort of melodrama fantasy. You know, I'm a Harry Potter kid. I'm a Lord of the Rings kid. Mm -hmm. But I'm also, you know, like a wrestling kid, like that type of stuff where every week it's good versus bad, you know, and then (laughs) it's always, you know, the biggest thing ever. And it's always uh, heightened drama, betrayals and teams and all that stuff. And so I was always attracted sort of to um, the Shakespearean stuff even as a child before i knew what it was like i remember seeing my first one in theaters was attack of the clones and yeah so, me too same yeah because we're about the same age i think i'm yeah. 25 i'm yeah. 26 there you go yeah yeah so the the experience of seeing attack of the clones in theaters and not realizing at all you know the, the film critical side of it yep. you know not realizing the adults in the room were rolling their eyes at some of the dialogue you're watching it as a kid and you're you're like wow like Anakin's not supposed to be in love like you know but <laughs> he's trying to be charge, a hero. man <laughs> yeah like it all just it all just throws you for a loop like that movie is so big yeah like it is huge and it's and it's a huge leap forward from anything that I was seeing at the time like you know we had Raimi Spider Man or you know the X Men trilogy was going on and things like that but that movie was like just massive and then you end with like Geonosis and mm-hmm. it just it sends you spiraling into wanting to pick up every book, you know, every magazine, every yeah. anything that could tell you a little bit more, every game. That's how you get, you know, your Knights of the Republic or, you know, for me, I love Jedi Academy. Um, but then on the personal side, like I didn't realize it until I was older, but that was helping me work out like only having one parent and like all the personal stuff and all the stuff with like fathers, sons and then the Skywalkers and the lineage and, uh, surrogate families and all that stuff mm-hmm. so it was like just so formative and i feel like every single day uh that stuff continues and everything that we that we get that's new well yeah and that's what that's what draws me to star wars too I, I like as a kid i've always been like mythology is my i love norse mythology greek mythology chinese japanese all of that mythology and yeah. like star wars is a modern mythology and it just tapped into that story and like what you're saying with uh it just it gives credence to like family and all like little issues little issues to big issues that come up and that's why i love it as well um let's go back to the the luke rant because that that's honestly that's how i found you i'd seen you around mm-hmm. with um obviously like we talked about before the podcast with like charlie and claire and all them talking to them right. so i knew you through that but then i really it really popped off with that how how was that was that a major like life shift in the terms of like obviously like the podcast and um just your connections that that blow up with that um yeah it wasn't a, really a major i think like a life shift because you know i had already started to get um you know started to get yeah guests on that i was proud of you know people that i wanted to work with people that i wanted to talk to and thankfully because of my you know, full-time job. I work for iHeartRadio. So yep. it's, I, it's always been like, I get to approach this. I'm fortunate to be able to approach this as like, I'm, yes, I'm a fan podcaster, but I'm also a professional broadcaster. Yep. So I am able to, um, you know, through my job and everything, like, uh, you know, talk to the publishers and everything and have the angle of like, you know, I am actually an outlet. I'm actually looking to, uh, do a professional interview so like that type of stuff was already sort of the groundwork being laid mm-hmm. um but in terms of being like a voice in the community i did notice that things sort of changed then because that was 
you know, that that was a big thing in terms of like people from Lucasfilm. You got Ryan Johnson. It and said, yeah, and Ryan Johnson and people jumping in and, you know, Ryan Johnson, Brad Meltzer, Matt Martin, yeah. like just people from the company, from the film process that were saying this, uh, you know, this counts like this is this is valid. This is this speaks to what we're doing and to be you know, held in that esteem. It's cool. Like it really is cool. Yeah. And you don't want to ever let your ego um, <laughs> get, get in the way, but you start to really appreciate the fact that part of star Wars is that there are fans that cross over into being actual commentators and uh, you know, analyzers of the material. You know, you think of people like, you know, the Damons, like Alex and Molly on yeah. star Wars explained and like, of, yeah, they're, fantastic people fantastic uh creators that sort of uh back and forth with the media and also with the the people that talk about the media there's that level of wow people are starting to care about your opinion and it makes you think um not i need to have some sort of cool because it's not like i was saying anything that had never been said before that was never being thought before but there were things that um made me realize like okay like i i can present what I'm saying now, knowing that people are going to listen and I, it can be, um, you know, not like an essayist because it's tweets, uh, but it made <laughs> me realize like, why not treat Twitter as if it was starwars.com or anything like yep. you, I, I, you could approach anything by trying to write it to the best of your ability. Yeah. And I think that was the point of Twitter in the first place anyway. So it like, it, it totally fits into that. And I, and I think, like it gets you some decent exposure as well. Um, mm -hmm. Like you said, you brought in, got Ryan Johnson. So now you got like people actually paying attention to what you're saying. So did that bring in people uh, that were less savory attacking you or because I know like uh, oh, Star yeah. Wars Twitter is just nasty sometimes, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Phantom Spaces, it's like <laughs> it is. It's a double-edged sword of the internet too, like the democratization of opinion. Yeah. You know, not not that not that obviously it was already democratized as a concept, like yeah. everyone can have their opinions. But the democratization of an, of an opinion platform, yeah. you give everybody the ability to write their review or their thought, and then all of a sudden it's like, who are the real critics? Is real critic even a thing? You know, what is a, what's considered legitimate? If I have a microphone, am I a broadcaster? And those are things that as a professional broadcaster who studied this and works for a broadcasting company and like knows the laws and knows what you have to do, like all that stuff, I struggle with it. Not because it's like I work for it and you don't know, <laughs> but because it becomes this interesting uh, blurred line. And I think that with Phantom Spaces too, it's like we gave everybody a voice and that's wonderful, but we also gave everybody a voice and that's unleashing yeah. uh, a lot of the people that are either not mature enough or that are working out their own demons and they just want to hurt or, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, I, I mean, I had people, I still get people in my DMs that, uh, you know, you should, uh, you know, you should just shut the F up. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, you're a piece <laughs> of garbage or this, that. And I'm obviously I'm making it pretty G rated. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, you know, you hear some horrible stuff and uh, I, I personally, like I come from it from a place of, you know, I'm a, 
I'm Puerto Rican, but I'm white passing. I'm a cishet man. Like I, I have it very easy in terms of my fandom experience and yeah. I have a really thick skin anyway. So that doesn't, that type of stuff doesn't bother me. I can have a laugh at it. I could dunk on them. I, I love a good scrap. Like I, I can fight, you know, like that type of stuff. A verbal fight to me is, is no, no sweat, but mm -hmm. it does expose a, a problem, you know, for people that are marginalized voices in the community that yeah it just if it does it's scary to know that they're out there and that other people maybe don't have the support systems or the you know not that they don't have the, the thick skin but thick skin is, is built and you shouldn't have to build it you know and yeah exactly it becomes a, a just a fundamental uh, misunderstanding where you have to accept like yes all opinions are valid especially on these media things but some opinions are just like they're so bankrupt and so far off from yep. what the text is actually saying that they're just not to be taken seriously. Like they're allowed to have them. No one's saying don't have them. But yep. when you're telling me that Star Wars isn't political or that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's things like that, it's like you don't get it. Yeah. And I'm comfortable saying that you don't get it. Some people will say like, oh, well, you know, it's valid if you want to. No, that's not valid because that's not the story. Yeah, I mean, if you... Have you watched any Star Wars? But the fact that, I mean, Return of the Jedi is literally just the Vietnam War. That's the most political movie that was out at the time. Right? I mean, and the prequels. 90% of that yeah. movies are politics. Like, I don't know. A lot of these, the ones that come out of the woodworks, I'm like, you say you, um, you love these movies, but you clearly are missing the point of, like, found family, all this stuff. Like, did you watch the same movie as us? Um, yeah, so I, I, I think there, there's just a, we as a community just need to promote the people, the voices in our, in the midst that are like the positive, like not necessarily like ones we agree with, but positive, like Alex and Molly are a perfect example of that. They are the, probably the best example of just being good people when it comes to the community. Um, yeah, and people I, like I think that. that like, you know, the. 100 percent i got alex and molly uh, i'm a big fan of uh ken joseph and jennifer on force center yep. like they've been yep. a big inspiration for me and obviously i'm close friends with you know imperial senate podcast yep. like real life friends with them and so there's uh there are people that in this community that i have become so tight with um on the fan side and the creator side like it, after a while of doing this you start to realize like oh that person that like i interviewed once and then i interviewed them again and then you know, it's like, oh, we're actually like friends now. Yeah. Like that's not, you know, like I'm, I am lucky to say like, oh, I'm friends with Daniel Jose Older. Like I'm, you know, it just, that type of stuff just happens when you're doing this. Or uh, Emma Mieko Camden, who wrote Ronin, like mm -hmm. we hit it off so much. Like we're chatting now and like, and you realize that the fandom uh, is what binds everybody together. Even the people that are creating it and that everybody just comes at it from a place of love and mm -hmm. doesn't mean you have to agree on anything. Like there, there are, I have. Like Tori, who, you know, started off as, uh, you know, she had done some podcasting before in the past, a uh, little bit here and there. And she, obviously she's always been an artist and all these things. I interviewed her um, early in COVID, like April 2020, yeah. out of the blue, did not know her. I just saw her doing a, a Claude cosplay. <laughs> Which was awesome, uh, by uh, the way. Yeah, her Claude outfit, Claude Couture, cracks me up every time I see it. So and funny. I think you Google, if you Google Claude Rise of Skywalker, like she comes up as like one of the first images. Uh, and we, I messaged her out of the blue and was like, hey, I, I love your art. I, I'm, I'm going to buy this piece and I would love to talk to you. And 
we ended up hitting it off so much that we became like close friends and personal friends. We talk every day and then she wanted to start her own show. And so she, she, you know, we collaborated on that and I produced hers and she's become such an amazing host in her own right. And we get to do these interviews together and that type of stuff is what it's all about. Now that said, Tori and I also completely disagree on certain ones of these movies, but that makes it interesting. Yeah, and that 100%. I value like my least favorite Star Wars movie is Rogue One. I still like it, but it's it's my least favorite, and mm-hmm. that's her number one. And meanwhile, she does not like the Rise of Skywalker, and I have Rise of Skywalker in my top five. Yeah, uh, a movie that is not at all controversial. Of course. <laughs> uh, uh, everyone agrees on the sequels, of course. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that, that type of stuff. If you approach it from a healthy perspective, then it's just enriching, you yeah. know, like it's a, uh, you have to look at, at fandom, like, like it's a, it's a meeting of the minds, like, like, a, like a picnic or like a, like, like, like a club or something Like you're all meeting to discuss these things. And it's not, it doesn't have to be a battle every single time, which is so funny because it's a, it's, it's, it's a franchise more so than any of the other ones. Like I love Marvel. I love DC. Yep. Um, and I think that, you know, you go to them obviously just cause they're so huge. And, I, I love them deeply, but sometimes their stories do come down to let's kick their ass, you know, as, as the moral, not as, as the moral, but as a solution, like sometimes it's like, okay, Thanos is, he's out of line. We beat him once kind of now he's back and it's the end game. And you know what? We need to just wipe him out. <laughs> uh, whereas star Wars is not about that. Star Wars is pacifistic. And so for star Wars to have, uh, you know, a fandom that is so about infighting has always been chiefly ironic. Yeah, or well, the the number one, like, I want to see more lightsaber saber battles and, like, decapitations and stuff like that. I'm like, but that's not the point. Those are cool. The big battles are cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'd love to see yeah, a like, big battle. Yeah, like, when they happen, but, they happen. And they're great, but they are they happen with a sense of reluctance. Exactly, You yeah. know, like, like, the Battle of Yavin happens because if it doesn't, planets will blow up yeah (laughs) like the one already has the battle of hoth is cool it is an escape yep you know the 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 battle of of endor is a the battle for the fate of the galaxy but it's also in the immediate it's about a race to this shield bunker so we can give them a chance at again saving planets and it's like that throughout all of star wars it's not ever about uh the egos or the or the personal battles of people um clashing on a grand scale like it is in you know you go to like go back to the beginning of marvel you know like iron man one yep. comes down to the clash between tony stark and obadiah stain and what that means for the world around them Boxes. star wars yeah exactly yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> you built the best weapon tony and i'm gonna kill you with it yeah. like we, star wars has personal beefs but those beefs are always to the side like yep. obi-wan and maul is a side story of the main saga that is happening and it's built up across one movie, then another show, then another show where it's finally settled. Um, but that is not what Star Wars is about. And even then, Obi-Wan is putting him down because he has to. Exactly. So, well, that, And that's it, why I love that fight in Rebels so much. Like, yeah. it is it is literally Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan fighting because he has to. He's defending himself. Mm-hmm. And he at, at the end, he still carries, like, he forgives Maul long before that point, and he cares oh, yeah. about his like his fate, his how his soul basically. And it was one of the most beautiful fights in Star Wars. Yeah, 
Oh, I agree. I mean, it's just it's peak um, Star Wars as chess. You know, the yeah. the battle is over before anyone swings. Samurai. And it's exactly yeah, and and to see visions obviously play into that so much with the actual anime studios. You know, actually exhibiting their traditions through their animation styles yep. you know in the elder you can see that in the village bride you can see that and how methodical a jedi has to be and how centered and you know these are these are the choices you know the choice to take life uh as as obi-wan says like if you if, if you lean into your ability to take life you have nothing yep. you know it's not about that it's about the fact that i am uh, on guard, you know, for the chosen one, who I believe is the chosen one, and <laughs> if it comes down to you or him, it's got to be him. Yeah, it, yeah. There, I lost my train of thought, but like, there, there's all throughout is just about pacifism, and I mean, back to Attack on the Clones. The big battle is a rescue mission. It's not a, supposed to be a battle. It's a rescue mission for two Jedi. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, the only ones that are really like or battles, I guess, would be in the Clone Wars. But again, that's showing, like, the Jedi losing their way. Like, it's it's all symbolic, and a lot of these people are missing that point. And I hope, like, honestly, I hope just people like people like you doing the your rants on whatever character just spark some people. Obviously, some people's minds aren't going to be changed because they just never will because they don't want to be changed. But I just hope that, like, people seeing these opinions and uh breakdowns just be like you know what that that's right that i totally changed my view on the movies and that's what my hope because i care about this franchise so much right yeah and that's where it comes from you know like you want to be an advocate for star wars as much as you want to be a critic of it or anything because of course everything is open for critical analysis but what i try to do is i don't think of myself as a star wars pundit i don't think of myself as a star wars critic yeah um i I don't really do news like news comes up on my shows but like if you want to know what i think of the news check my twitter like i'm not (laughs) going to do a whole show about when is the trailer going to come out it's like i don't i don't know like i'll I'll talk about it when it does like you know it's not it's not for me to rush art but i like to be a star wars activist slash advocate what is it saying how can we engage with what it's saying uh what does what it's saying mean for the projects around it how are the creators in sync with each other even accidentally you know maybe they're not uh working together directly you know that was such a big thing with the sequels like who is spiting who but it's like i'm not interested in that because the stories are the stories once they exist it doesn't matter anymore exactly you know, yeah. I, behind the scenes is in the past i can't change that by the time you see the movie that stuff has been over for months if not years yeah that's how long it takes to make movies (laughs) so it's like if by the time you sit down and 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 the lights go down and that movie starts trust me they're over it or they're gonna deal with it separately from this and at that point you could choose to engage with the story that's on screen instead of the story that you either made up in your head or that you wish you had gotten and stuff like that which is very important yeah, well, Last Jedi is a perfect example of that. There's parts of that movie I don't like, but I adore that movie. It's you got to sit down in these things and be like, okay, mm-hmm. what are they actually saying? Not what, what's the the heart behind this? Um, it, or was there inviting? I don't, I don't know. I don't care. Like, I don't know. I think there's just that's that's why I love High Republic so much right now is because it's it's showing characters with different points of view being yeah. all right with each other like the jedi and the high republic are there's there's way seekers there's 
like everybody views the force different it's yeah. that's why i'm really enjoying the high republic is i think it's a perfect um perfect stories for the time we are in the fandom yeah it's it's a fantastic project i mean it really has uh exceeded you know everything i could have imagined for it like i yeah. knew it was going to be good yeah and i think we all knew it was going to be good especially if, if you were a fan of any of those five writers 100 and i and i liked all of them going into this i love them all even more now i i think that the perfect team and and to see them all be in sync by not being in sync and that's that's the beauty mm-hmm. of it is that they know the big story brushstrokes of what's going to happen but at the same time like you're saying uh they can all approach it differently like at the time of this recording we just had Trail of Shadows start, right? And yep. that's Daniel Jose Older doing a noir detective story in the higher public setting. No one else in the higher public has to want to do that, has to make a character like that. He can do that, and then everyone else can react or or have small tie-ins and different things like that. So it just really is, is a powerful way to tell the story of an entire era that makes the prequels and the regular Star Wars saga better yep. because now we've seen what things would be like if they actually did have some perspective yeah um, that like i love the different genres that they're bringing in obviously the new comic ties directly into the last novel by kevin scott uh almost yeah. like immediately <laughs> so uh yeah but you I, literally get to see the scene and it's <laughs> as just as horrifying as it was when you read it, <laughs> more so speaking of the rising story like I just saw your tweet about that song. Sorry, uh, the uh, the Tempest Runner, where yeah. they're singing that song. It, like, no joke. I was laying in bed at, in pitch black, the same as you were, and that song went. I'm like, what the hell is this? I, I was not ready for that. For people <laughs> I don't know, like, basically, long story short, in in Tempest Runner, which came out in August, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, August. There's there's a scene where there's someone is doing a creepy lullaby and it's it's they draw attention to it everything stops you hear it for like 30 40 seconds and then the story continues and someone's like shut up you know cut it out with that (laughs) and you don't really think anything of it you just think oh they're crazy then this issue comes out by daniel jose and that was by kevin scott then this daniel jose older episode or issue comes out and you're like wait a second like what and then you're like, oh, those bastards! Like they had it planned out. Yeah. Like, and so it's rewarding if you're if you're re- you don't have to read more than what you want to read. You know, you don't have to if you're not into audiobooks or anything. You don't have to ever listen to that. Yeah. But if you do, it's like, oh man, like now it's in my head too, in the same way that it is <laughs> with the characters. I have also heard this in the same way the characters have. So it becomes this multimedia experience that's so clever, so well laid out. Uh, a, a great example of that synergy is if you were reading Rising Storm and then right after you read Race to Crash Point Tower, yeah. that those books happen at the same time yep. and they share a scene right in the middle with Ty Yorick, Ram Jomaram, and and uh, Lula Talizola. And you get to see sort of how the different perspectives happen for two different age groups. You know, one is an adult novel, one's a young reader novel. Uh, so it's just, yeah, it's just peak what Star Wars can do. Yeah better than anything else i think it's a perfect template that w- what we could get in the future in terms of like even the movies and tv and everything like that like if this is working this well they can th- honestly disney's probably looking at this being like you know what let's do this with the mando se- uh timeline let's do this with the movies 
So, I mean, it's just a proof of concept, honestly, and it's it's very, really exciting and like really rewards people for listening, but also doesn't degrade for not. We have people on this podcast that like they just got into Star Wars maybe three years ago and purely because I wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> so and honestly, like I'm jealous of them. Whenever I hear someone like I would I wouldn't trade my origin story for anything. 100 percent. I love, love, love when I came out. I love the stuff I was consuming. I love that period from 2002 to like 2009 yeah. where I got to be there for the period of time where it was just some comics, some books, a few games, you know, Battlefront was huge, things like that, KOTOR. And then like, I was there for the beginning of Clone Wars. I was there for Force Unleashed, like all that <laughs> stuff. Um, but people that get in now, oh, I hate them. Yeah, hate I'm like, them. you guys like, are spoiled. Spoiled beyond belief. They will never know what it was like to be in a drought. Yeah, you know, obviously the the original trilogy fans had it the hardest, eighty three yeah, to ninety nine. But even you know, two thousand five to twenty fifteen, that was hard. That was a hard decade. <laughs> we thought there uh, wouldn't be and, any more stories. Like we thought it was yeah, done. And, yeah. And it, it wasn't even like we were waiting because we didn't think there was anything to wait for. We were told it was it's, done. It's just over, and, and like anything you got that was extra was a gift. You yeah. know, like back then, people forget. Not so much Force Unleashed two, but. Force Unleashed 1, George used to say, or you know, he said kind of, that it had his stamp of approval. Like, Force Unleashed in Legends counted. Like, yeah. People considered that that was part of the story between uh, 3 and 4. And now it's like, we have an entire, we have Solo, we have Rogue One, we have Rebels, we have Fallen Order. Like, that era is more rich and fleshed out than it's ever been. And they had the sequels. And it's like, oh, the sequels are over. But don't worry, there's a streaming service now. <laughs> 10 years ago, I would have been like, what's a streaming service? Like, yeah. <laughs> number one. Uh, and then number a two. Star Wars TV show? Oh, my God. Like, that seemed like... Uh, you, used to, you obviously used to hear the rumors and the yeah. reports about the show George was trying to do, Underworld. And, and detours uh, and, and stuff like that. Detours. And it was like, okay, like, yeah, animated. But you know, they'll never do a live action because it's just too big to put on TV. And then Game of Thrones changed the world. Oh, you know, 100%. With, with one, post-Game of Thrones... That's when I was like, you know, maybe like these things that seemed way too big for TV aren't anymore. Yeah. Lord well, of the Rings, Star Wars. And now both of them have shows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was the budget for Lord of the Rings? It was like 468 million or something like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous like, budget. It's un ungodly amount of money. Like, it's crazy. And even Harry Potter. Harry Potter's got a show in development at HBO Max. Oh, really? So I didn't even we'll know have... that one. Yeah, we don't know if it's going to be, like, the books. I mean, like, I, obviously, people aren't nearly as excited about Potter anymore. No. Nor should they be. But uh, <laughs> just to just to put it in that perspective, though, like, Marvel, DC, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Star Wars, all on television. Yeah. And eventually, all in the same calendar year. Like, we're living in unprecedented geek times. Oh, it, and it, honestly, it's like, we're so spoiled that I'm, like, I'm annoyed when the shows come out at the same time. Like... Um, yeah. For instance, coming up, Hawkeye, the finale is the same day as the Book of Boba uh, premiere, and I'm like, now I gotta choose. Like, it's gonna be Book of Boba, but now I gotta choose. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's gonna. I'm probably gonna do a. Uh, that's gonna be a situation where I use my work hours to my benefit because I work at like five in the morning and I'm okay. off by the middle of the day. So I'll get up at three, do Boba Fett, and then right after work, I'll make a sandwich. And I'll refill my coffee, and then I'll watch Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, I am hoping one of them moves. I don't like that they do that. Yeah, I hope one um, of, they pick like Marvel is one day, Star Wars is another day. It has to be. Like, yeah. Um, 
Is there any projects you're really looking forward to that coming out that has been announced but not necessarily seen yet? For instance, I'm excited for Book of Boba, like as well. But the accolade is probably my most ex- ex- like biggest thing I'm excited for. Yeah, I'm right there with you with Acolyte probably in my number one. Well, uh, tied for number one, Acolyte and Ahsoka. Okay, I think yeah. are the, the two things I'm most excited for because I Star Wars Rebels. You know, obviously I said up top I'm doing a Rebels show. Like yeah. Star Wars Rebels is in my top three Star Wars things. Period of any medium. Like I think that it is a perfect piece of Star Wars. And not to say that Ahsoka the show should be or needs to be the sequel to that that people think it'll be. Mm-hmm. I think that you'll get your Sabine appearances maybe a couple others aside from Ezra. Like, yeah, like I think like Ezra might be like later in the season or maybe the back half of the season or a finale thing. Like, I don't think Ezra will be a full-time character in that. Um, But I, I mean, I'm down to be wrong. We don't really know anything. Uh, But that journey making it to live action, like Ahsoka being in live action is so poignant and important because that was the, the character that, she is the torch. Like they talk about the passing of the torch. She is the torch. Yeah. 100%. Like George and Dave made her together. And then she becomes Dave's as he takes this and, and blooms into his own, uh, his own creator, his own leader, his own man within the company and within the storytelling. And for her to be able to go from the most panned thing since <laughs> Jar Jar yeah. all the way up to being the, you know, a fan favorite that can make people cry like a fan favorite that had people, had a had a room, you know, that blew the roof off the place with Ahsoka lives, you know, at that celebration when oh, Filoni changed his t-shirts and uh mid-panel and like how how excited everybody was. And then, you know, for Mandalorian season two to see her interact with Grogu and Din and these other characters like yeah. come to life in such a, a different way, it hit so hard. And so I'm definitely excited to see that. And then on the acolyte side of things, it's just like every single time that Leslie Headland opens her mouth to talk about Star Wars, I fall in love with her. Oh, 100%. Like, 100%. I'm like, she, oh, you get it. Oh, God, she gets it. Like, everything that she says, I'm like, I, I want to, like, have a drink with you at Celebration and just, like, uh, talk about this for hours. She yeah. gets it so much. For it to have a dark side emphasis, I think, yep. is cool because that sets it apart from all the other projects. And it being set at the tail end of the higher public uh, is very interesting as well because you know we might see not that I expect cameos because it, you know it's a long time I mean, it's 150 uh, yeah I think it's, well, it's 50 years before Phantom Menace is 50 where... years before Phantom Menace yeah so like what 180 years after where we are now yeah, yeah something, something like that, like that. That's, that's probably math um, but yeah <laughs> uh, someone someone do the math but yeah so 50 years before Menace like you don't want to think of everything in terms of character appearances, but it's like, you know, could there be like an old Briaga? Probably. Like, you know, will you see Yoda? Eh, probably. probably. Um, a younger Dooku, like as a Padawan, like, you know, as, as a young, young Padawan, like, that's possible. Um, but just to know, like, what is the Acolyte? Acolyte of what? Acolyte of the Beyond? Acolyte of, of the Sith? The Sith Eternal? Is like, this a Night Sister? Yeah, is, is this some like, plague like, story? Or what is this? Yeah, like, like, we have no idea. All we know is that it's going to be a... Uh, a woman uh, as a lead as a lead character that's yep. all we know and and i think that there was some casting uh, like sheets out that was like looking for a woman of color which is great you know a woman of color in the lead role a queer woman running the show uh all of that stuff you know leading star wars uh leading into the future 
you know, f- with its politics first, like we said, like it's always been a political show for it to embrace then, uh, you know, marginalized voices behind the, behind the actual camera, but also in front of it at the same time is really cool because that's one thing that Trek has never had a problem doing, no. which I think Star Wars has always uh, been linked to Star Trek. And I don't think that they ever, should ever be compared, <laughs> but if they're going to follow each other in, in one way, it would be that, you know, like tell every story to show every perspective you know you look at the trek side of things right now and they've got an adult animated series a kids animated series yeah. you know they have something that's a sequel to the old stuff they have something that's a prequel to the old stuff they have something that's original like it's all over the place with every voice every creator every kind of character um so that's what i'm excited for definitely going forward and then of course like who doesn't want to see robert rodriguez direct more boba Fett? i'm like, so excited for that like the fact that they brought him back, the moment I saw that Robert Rodriguez like episode, I'm like, oh, they're bringing him back. Like, there, there's something bigger here. And then they announced, I'm like, hell yes. Like, I told my buddy, and I'm like, yeah, Robert Rodriguez is doing the, uh, doing the Book of Boba series. He's like, like Spy Kids, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> and I'm like, he's done other stuff other than Spy Kids, but you know, whatever. Um, but back to your point about the diversity thing, like, I, I think it just builds richer worlds just to be more diverse and stuff. Like it just, I don't know. There's, there's, it's a galaxy full of different aliens, different, different people, different species, different belief systems. Why can't, why does it need to be just a straight white dude being on screen, which is fine. Like I don't hate it, but there's also, it just builds richer worlds to have other people of different perspectives exactly and, and for, for the fantasy to be the the fullest of what it could be um it needs to represent the world as much as possible and that means the people in it you know like it, it, every every story that every great story ever told is represented in star wars but new stories come to the table every day and yep. so it should grow uh, accordingly uh you you'd said that obviously rebels is in your favorite like top three um is there like a specific movie comic book like game tv show that is like your number one story. Um, yeah, it's Return of the Jedi, as yeah, basic as it is. Um, I always say Return of the Jedi, Last Jedi, Rebels, are that's like my my palette yeah. right there. But honestly, like High Republic, um, I love all that stuff. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Daniel Jose Older's Last Shot. Last Shot I is love. awesome. It is so underrated. Like so underrated. Like, it's it so is so good. fun. Like, it's like just if you love Han Solo or and Lando and you haven't picked that book up yet, it is so damn good. And you get them throughout three different eras. Like, yeah, it's got this super pulpy villain with Faison Gore and all of his <laughs> Peak droid stuff. Awesome. Peak is oh, a queen. Just everybody in that that cast is phenomenal. So I love that book. Um Charles Soule obviously Charles is, Soul, is a master yeah. at what he does, and so you look at the Charles Soule Lando, the Charles Soule Vader, the Charles Soule Poe Dameron. Like you could go on and on. Like I tweeted it a while back. Like Soul Star Wars has become a thing, yeah. Just as much as Filoni Star Wars has. Like when it, you didn't, we didn't realize it was becoming a thing because it was happening on the page. But it hit me the other day uh, when they announced the Eye of the Storm Mark Yonro two parter. Yep. And I was like. Okay, so it's a two-parter, Mark Yonro. That'll be his, like, whatever eighth comic, and then he had a novel, and then I was like, oh, oh my god! Like, Charles Soule has written more Star Wars than most people have. More Star Wars than most people have. Like, it, it was like, you know, word for word, page for page, 
Uh, he's he's probably the only person that's touched every single era. Yep. And you know something that even Filoni hasn't done because Filoni helped create Star Wars Resistance, but he wasn't there in the day to day. He wasn't supervising director, or you know he didn't write any episodes of that. Uh, so it's like he, Charles Soldo has been there, going you know all the way back to uh, Qui Gon or go all the way back to the High Republic, all the way through to Poe Dameron in the sequel era yeah. and writing essential stories like Rise of Kylo Ren. And now with this this Crimson trilogy, oh, the, the Kira the, trilogy, the, the War of the Bounty Hunters is dope. Yeah, like, War of the Bounty Hunters, which at the, again at the time of this recording ended today. Yeah, and it's gonna go into Crimson Reign, and yeah. then we know now that the third installment is called The Hidden Empire. So it's it's like this guy, like it really has become a backbone. Uh, I in, mean, in a big his bad way. Vader comic is like again one of my favorite stories, just all the way through. Is one of the best like interpretations of vader that we've ever seen yeah like yeah it's pretty wild talk about someone who gets it (laughs) oh yeah i mean just gets it and is able to to look at the whole of star wars and and make all the eras matter to each other something that i preach about on my show all the time is like the tapestry like star wars moves backwards and forwards it's this wide thing that can be expanded upon on both ends past and future and how does everything change everything? And a beautiful example, and I got to tell Charles this in person at uh, Celebration Chicago, and we had a great talk about this moment, is when Vader is hallucinating, or not hallucinating, when he's having his, his force sort of experience, yeah. the vision and everything in the comics, and Padme says, the, are you an angel? But it's in that horror sort of uh, setting this time, and it calls back all the way to their very first meeting, and it's like, that line has been made fun of since 1999 and yeah. you made it horrific and moving and epic and powerful and Shakespearean and biblical. And he was laughing as I was going on about it. And I'm like, dude, you crushed it like this. This matters so much. And now when I see Phantom Menace again, I'll think about how it, it's burned into his mind when he's Vader. All of that stuff plays together. And, and that Vader run is the perfect balance between Darth Vader classic and Anakin of the prequels. Hundred percent, yeah. And that, that I think that's the most important part. I think one of the my main issues with the start of the Disney era was that they kind of just kind of ditched the prequel era for a little bit there. Um, but but once they started tying everything into the story, it has become like immensely, immensely better a story overall. Like honestly, I think the new canon is better than legends legends was a mess at the best of times um yeah i mean i completely agree with you legends has good ideas in yeah. it, but legends like it's too sci-fi i think and it it ends up going uh pretty bananas with a lot of its concepts so far because they were left unchecked and they thought it was over so it's like i don't blame them yeah uh you know like that it just felt like it was this place where anybody could play and do anything but well, now Luke's we're back of course god that by the end of it he's like they're literally fighting like a yeah a, a, like a thing of the dark side just literally pure dark side that's what they're fighting yeah yeah exactly so it, it just becomes a uh it, it becomes this, this larger than life thing but i'm so glad that we're now telling one story you yeah. know not everybody doing whatever they want um but now it's, it's one thing that builds together how do you, how do you feel about contradictions that show up in uh in stories so like example the uh the Canaan comic and Bad Batch kind of right. thing. How do you, how do you how do you feel about that? 
the way that I approach it is like this, that I've said this before, and I, I always go back to it. I can't remember when he said it, but Pablo Hidalgo, uh, maybe it was on Twitter, actually. Uh, he said once, talking about the infamous Han and Greedo scene. Yeah. And obviously, we all know the history. It was originally one way, then special edition, then it changed ever so slightly again. It changed ever so slightly again. And then it changed ever so slightly again. Yeah. And we got the McClunky edition uh, with the Disney Plus release, which is fine. I don't care. I don't mind it. And I think that Pablo had the perfect approach to it, which was this. It is a myth. Yep. It happened a long time ago. And really, the detail that matters is that Han lives. Yep. Greedo does not. It's basically Han and Greedo walked into a bar in Moss Eisley. One of them walks out. Uh, one of them walks out. The shots were fired. Greedo died. <laughs> and And that's the... That is the core of it. And so with that in mind, with it being this evolving, moving text, this evolving myth, we see that every interpretation of Thor, you know, you talked about myths up top, you know, Norse myth, uh, Roman mythology, yeah. the Chinese myth, like everything is always amorphous, always changing. There's always slight variations. We see this with how all the major religious texts in the world are essentially telling the same story exactly, about yeah. the, son, the son of God and things like that. So... Uh, we could talk about um, all the ins and outs of Star Wars in the same terms. And so when you look at an example like Kanan, you know, which is sort of the one that started this conversation in a big, bad way, uh, <laughs> the, the the core, the meat is there. Kanan, Depa-Balaba, Onkaller with their troops. You know, yep. there was a betrayal. This, that, the other thing happened. There were clones there. In the Kanan comic, we did not yet know that it was the Bad Batch. That was the best telling of that story that we had yep. with the knowledge of the world and the myth that we had at the time but the now colors have... are wrong <laughs> exactly yeah and that and that be, that's where it becomes like a are you are you more interested in trivia or are you interested in story yeah exactly. and and i respect the trivia aspect of it 1000 percent. and i respect that there are people that know the names of every blaster i don't know the names of every ship i don't uh droid i don't um, that's great, but that that's not theme, you know. And so when it becomes a conversation about that, you take what works and you synthesize it in your mind. Like it requires you to do a little bit of work as somebody that is reading this book. If it's a long time ago, which is essentially a once upon a time, uh, it's a fairy tale. So you open it up and you read it and you say to yourself, "Well, uh, this is happening now in this way," and. Even though that first issue of Kanan, you know, that's not exactly how it was told once I finally saw it. Issues 2 through 12 can still happen exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that the story, story beats are still, still the same, count. exact same. Story beats are still the same. You just you just finally saw it with a bit more clarity, a bit more of a firsthand yep. uh, telling. And then who knows? Like in, in Galaxy, maybe somebody who was there that day, um, you know, tells a story and people think differently of it. You know, like who knows? Um so that's how I approach all those things. You know, when something, you know, like the Lego specials come out and people are like, oh, the, the Lego special takes place after Rise of Skywalker. I think that's awesome because it, it is, it's a cheeky, fun way for them to say, here's a Lego holiday special where Finn is training to be a Jedi. Maybe that is happening somewhere out there right now, you know, in a, in a, in a more official way. Yeah. This is our little tease at that. Um, you know, the terrifying tales came out and it's Poe Dameron going to the you know, Mustafar and the Sith <laughs> hotel and all that fun stuff. Like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that it's not, you know, episode 10 will be about the Sith hotel, but <laughs> you could assume though, like maybe Poe did visit Mustafar after yeah. the sequel trilogy. Maybe he like, did find what's his nuts in there. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it just becomes a uh, it becomes a conversation just about what is you know re- who's a, who are reliable narrators, what is the actual story yeah. being told. Um, so I think basically, you know, long story short, uh, TLDR for that answer. Uh, don't worry about it. Exactly. Uh, as much. <laughs> I think there's much bigger things to worry about than the color of the storm or uh, the clone troopers armor. Like, c- calm down. Yeah. Uh, is there a uh, dream project that you would love to see created in any shape or form? Like, for instance, um, I want a Guy Ritchie heist film set in the underworld. That's what I want. Oh man, Guy Ritchie on a on a Star Wars heist would be so it's so wild. I like, thought he should have done Solo. Honestly, like what they were not looking for, I'm like he should do Solo. It would be he would be perfect for that. Like when you're thinking about like Coruscant and like the different levels. Yeah. And and all of the stuff that you could do, like speeders and mid- midair, like how Guy would direct that type of action. Yeah, like how he did, like uh, King Arthur or uh, Man from yeah. Uncle, like just the right, right, weird right. cuts he does with time. Anyway, mm-hmm. but that what would be your dream project? Um, I it's so interesting. Like I I want them to lean as far into the force as they possibly can. Mm. Like. High Republic has been a treat because you get, like you said, everybody's perspectives on the Force. Um, Star Wars Rebels with the Loth Wolves, the World Between Worlds, yeah. the the mystical nature of like what is and what isn't. What is is this actually happening? Is it happening in your head? Does it even matter? Like like Mortis, like how Mortis they just wake weird, up man. and they're not on Mortis anymore. It's my favorite. It's, like, it's my favorite arc. Like legitimately, it's, it's so weird. It's fascinating. It's fascinating, and every time you watch it, it's like. You know, it's like reading a poem again. You're like, okay, I think I got something different this time. Like, it's it's. I, I would love to see that on screen. I don't know if it, if it's like, I don't know if it's the type of thing that would need to be told on as a television show. I'm not sure, but just something that leans all the way into that stuff. Um, I've said on Twitter and a couple other places. You know, people have asked me like, I would love to tell a story. You know, about a Jedi Temple guard whose like identity is compromised and. Uh, you know, other guards get killed because of it and the guilt and sort of do like a Lion King thing <laughs> running away and then coming back and all that stuff. Um, I think there was great potential there to do uh, that type of story because Star Wars has done so many of the of the great archetypes and they sort of get there with Kanan, but I would love to see um, sort of that Simba, Aragorn, mm. you know, run away from the throne like you, you were meant to be more than this. Uh, type story which is sort of what they did they they tried to do in star wars legacy with like Cade skywalker yeah and that was Um, a lot with like the sith empire and stuff like that was yeah yeah, yeah. so something like that i think would be really cool but yeah i would love to see something like super super mythical yeah um you know full of just like tones long silences like i i really not to not to yeah I, i hate being like uh give me another white guy directing it but like honestly like when i saw the green knight i just saw that last and, night just saw it oh last night. man dude david lowry yeah doing a star wars film like that yeah that is so painterly and so quiet and methodical um so much of his inspiration actually came from the ewoks movie uh, he said in in interviews like uh the whole underwater sequence um with trying to retrieve the skull and all that like so something like that would be great and then my other thing is that i would love it if disney sat down uh 
Lucasfilm and Pixar and said, work on something together. Oh man, that would be dope. Like, even if to it, see like, even if it's just yeah, like, I mean, like droids, I don't know. Like, just do something. Yeah. Well, droid story is at least happening. Yeah, yeah, but ILM. but I mean, uh, like, but do something, something like with them. Like, I would love it if they were like, hey, Pixar, you know, here's our entire, uh, you know, bank of amazing Star Wars creatures. Like, could you tell a story that was about a loth wolf? Could you tell a story that was about? uh about a tauntaun you know uh, <laughs> and uh, in the snow like do something like that could be could be pretty a tauntaun crazy. and wampa become friends a pixar story yeah oh my god that'd be, heart- be heartbreaking oh you know pixar would rip our hearts out by having like the tauntaun's mom get killed yeah and, <laughs> and like the wampa sacrificing himself for the tauntaun and it's a rebel speeder that takes him out or something like that like they, they would do oh, something like that yeah. <laughs> for sure they're uh i think like back to the green knight i think that do you, can you imagine uh the uproar that the fandom would get into just how that movie is so open-ended so uh weird it's very weird can you imagine what it would be like if that happened i think it would be great i i can and i can't i totally can <laughs> but i can't imagine how stressful it would be yeah fair um, enough yeah, I mean, it, it would be absolutely wild in a great way. So uh, I, I'm definitely down for that type of stuff. Um, Yeah, that, that is that is basically all my questions. But so thanks for coming on. Oh, I got, are you going to Celebration this year? Yes, yes, yes I am. So we're, we'll definitely be hanging and, you know, we'll all have to meet up and stuff. And I'm uh, excited to meet you guys and your listeners. And yeah, yeah I, I, I I'm when so celebration excited. got delayed it was the right thing to do but god it hurt it so hurts so bad blessed. like i was i was <laughs> like i was in denial like when covid yeah. hit i was like nah celebration's still happening not still happening i got like we're going we're going and then it like it was a month before and they issued the refunds or like the re tickets or whatever yeah. and i'm like oh shit okay i guess yeah. it's not happening but i am so excited for celebration chicago was like it was my Chicago was my first celebration, and man, that mm. there is not many cons like that. Like it is legitimately yeah, one of the best cons special. I've ever been to. It's very very special. I mean, it's like church. Like it's like everybody is, everybody is at like peak joy. Yeah, it's like euphoria. Everyone feels so together and balanced and just happy to see yeah. each other. It's like happy a to family see Star reunion, Wars. Like but you don't know those people. Yeah. Know? Man, like I've never felt so comfortable crying in a group of strangers when the Rise of Skywalker trailer dropped. Like, oh yeah, like yeah. on the uh, on the floor, I was like, man, this is dope. But and obviously, like I'm a huge Palpatine fan. Named the podcast after him. Yeah. So <laughs> when he laughed, I was like, yo, he's come back. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was a huge moment. I high fived a stranger next yeah. to me. We were laughing. Like it was crazy. So yeah, I'm definitely going. I'll be there all the days, yeah. uh, and I'm super excited about it. It's going to be very special, I think, because we'll have had that break. It'll be sort of like a reunion, and it'll be an opportunity for Rogue Squadron, for whatever Taika's doing, for Mando Season 3, for Bad Batch Season 2, all of this stuff, plus the fact that we all miss each other, plus the fact that it's it's the one that's uh, closest to now Galaxy's Edge, which yeah. is something we did not have uh in 2019 no we had freezing cold hoth weather outside yeah exactly so like disneyland is literally right down the road yeah so how are they going to work that in uh it's it that 
that is going to be an electric feeling. So I can't wait. Yeah, I, I'm very excited for it. Well, um, let people know where they can find you on Twitter or anything like that. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So uh, you can find me personally tweeting at AD underscore Strider. You can find me on Instagram at A period D period Strider. You can find Octo Radio and all the shows, uh, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio, wherever you get your podcast. We're on all the different platforms. Uh, that's all three shows are there. They're all three. They're all in the same feed. They come out and, you know, they've all got their different podcast artwork and the titles and everything. So it's easy to navigate. You'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> new interviews are coming out, uh, which is really exciting, uh, with people like Ed Greer, who's a comedian, works for Comedy Central, rebooted. He used to work on Screen Junkies and all this stuff. And, uh, we've got, uh, Father and Son of Star Wars podcast, Kerwin and Keith, they're coming on. Uh, we have some other book interviews in the works, different things coming up. And before you know it, we'll be at Book of Boba Fett. Uh, Rebels Rewatch is going to continue on. I'm also uh, on the One and Done Film Club with Nikki Kumar from the Imperial Senate podcast and Reed Devaney from the Babble Bubble podcast. And we analyze different movie franchises by discussing them, debating them, and choosing one installment of said franchise to champion and put forth into consideration and then we deliberate on it we choose one as the winner and then we do a commentary on that movie in that episode so the episodes are very long um but they are great movie night type episodes where you get to hear us actually decide what to watch um so an example the first episode we ever did was indiana jones and we had a whole indiana jones conversation which led to us deciding okay we should watch last crusade and then last crusade gets selected as uh, our movie for that franchise and we watched it and that's a great project and uh, yeah tons of stuff going on and you just follow me on twitter and i'm always on there because i have a problem <laughs> yeah you, you tweet a lot man i do i do <laughs> all right well thanks again for being on this is this was a ton of fun like i really appreciate you coming on um oh thanks so much man i appreciate it thank, thank you for being a gracious host uh asking fun questions having a good conversation and, and fighting the good fight for thoughtful Thoughtful Star Wars. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, have a good night, everybody. Well, day, I guess, wherever you're listening to it. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Okay. Have a good one.